0: Know the vibes. Welcome back to another week here at the Hoop Genius podcast brought to you by NBA 2K24. Myself, Marunzi, alongside me as always is the three time NBA champion BJ Armstrong and our weekly guest on a Monday, Mr. Scott Perry. Now, I don't need to ask how you guys are doing. I know Scott's in a good mood after his Steelers took the win yesterday over in the NFL. BJ, a little bit nervous. We're taping this before the Lions play the Vikings. So, BJ, how are you feeling? <laughs>
1: Mo, how you gonna be nervous in first place? Because exactly.
0: <laughs> when you're in first place, there's only one way to go. Hey, everybody!
1: Uh, hey, 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 Mo, that pressure is not for everyone. You know. I want you to give lot- us some respect. First place Flyers. Right, yeah. As long as you yeah. say first place Flyers, okay. then
2: we okay. okay. It's, been, a, a, it's been a long time coming for him to say that. Now, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, you are right. I'm so happy with my Steelers yesterday, but we. I'm going to be a little nervous today because we need, need a little help mm. to
0: get into the playoffs. So, be watching a couple games real closely today. Man, I'm going to let BJ talk his stuff because at least one Detroit team's doing well. Now, oh, that's all what we we're going to say well, about now you, this that. Week's show. Show. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. Okay. Okay. But so we need to talk about the NBA. <laughs> and um, I've been looking forward to this episode. Um, as you guys know, I'm a big fan of the Boston Celtics. So nothing makes me happier than seeing some of our rival teams in complete disarray. The Los Angeles Lakers having a meltdown the Golden State Warriors who beat us in the finals, having a meltdown. I love it. I love this game. So I'm in full hater mode today. Uh, BJ and I spoke about some of it this week, but uh, Scott, we wanted to get your perspective. So let's start with the Lakers in LA. Um, You know, we all know that you spent some time with the Detroit Pistons and you know Darwin Ham pretty well. But this week, um, a lot of people, a lot of Laker fans, the reports came out that there were six different sources from the Lakers team That said, they were unhappy with Darvin Ham leading the squad. I wanted to get your perspective on it because it's interesting. When you look at the Lakers roster, they've got a lot of guys that can play great defense, but don't contribute on offense like Jared Vanderbilt or Cam Reddish. And then they've got guys who can contribute on offense like DeAndre Russell, but aren't very good defensively. Um, Everyone praised them in the offseason for having a great offseason. But looking at the tools available on the roster, how much blame Can be placed on the coach in this situation. Well, look,
2: Darvin Ham, in my opinion, is a very good basketball coach. Uh, He proved it last year. If, If you recall, last season, this team struggled early in the season, and he stood firm. He held guys accountable defensively. He kept trying different things until they became successful. And then they went on a run. They made it through into the play-in tournament and obviously went to the Western Conference Finals. Now, again, this year they started off a little sluggish, but then they caught stride in that in-season tournament. They have struggled coming out of the in-season tournament. Matter of fact, that was something that all of us had talked about here on air. How are those teams going to respond to really that type of energy and intensity that early in the season that we hadn't seen before, quite frankly? And right now the the, Mm. Los Angeles is, is struggling. You know, I think they're three and 10 since that, uh, since the end season tournament and they're going through a tough patch, but I think Darwin is the man to get them through it. He is a resilient person. Uh, He has shown that, you know, well before he became a coach, but he brings that, that, that identity to the, the coaching side. I didn't hear those six players, uh, complaining about him during that in-season tournament run,
0: <laughs> uh,
2: and, and so I didn't hear, I, when they I, were I was, lifting you, the banner, I didn't it, hear no exactly. Exactly, and so if I'm the Lakers, if I'm one of the players, coaches, whoever, if I'm part of the organization, when you're going through this struggle, quit pointing the figure uh, outward. Look inward, figure out what you can do better, because they have talent on this team. There's no arguing that Austin Reeves now is starting to play a lot better. You know, uh, Darwin had put him to on the bench earlier in the season. But I think that was a good move at that time. Now Austin Reeves has responded. He's playing very well as that, uh, uh, third guy, if you will, on, on the starting unit in terms of the scoring. Um, so I think he's, what he's doing now is just trying to figure out who's going to fit well with what units, you know, the starting unit, second unit. And, um, and also, you know, from a front office perspective, uh, you're going to be looking at, you know, leading up to the trade deadline. Is there someone out there that maybe to your point uh, is a a two-way player that could score a little more than some of the guys that they have right now to help, you know, alleviate some of the pressure from uh, those top three scores in uh, LeBron AD and uh, Austin Reeves. So uh, a a lot of work ahead. I'm not ready to bury them yet as they're concerned. Yes. Uh, But I, I I'm a believer in Darwin ham and his ability to uh, fight through adversity and galvanize the troops deal.
0: Well, I believe the Lakers will make the playoffs because they have to, to legitimize the in-season tournament, because if they win the in-season tournament and then miss the playoffs completely, then I think then that whole tournament loses a lot of its legitimacy in its first season. So um, BJ, you were one of the first people to talk about the effect that the high pressure games in Vegas early on in the season could have on the rest of the thing. Scott just said the Lakers have been 3-10 and 10 since the in-season tournament, but the, Lake, right. uh, the the Pacers, who they played in the final, they went on a bit of a slide, but they're 7-3 and three in their last 10 games now. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. not using that as an excuse anymore. Do you put this for the Lakers simply down to the age of their roster and the inability to recover uh, as quick as the younger Indiana Pacers? Or what's happening over there in LA that they haven't been able to bounce back like Indiana have?
1: Well, there's been a lot of... You know, let, let let's just call it what it is. You know, Scott and I have worked in the NBA Mo, you're you're gonna do this as well. When you come into a league, you're gonna have ups and downs of during the course of an 82 game schedule. The main thing always has to remain the main thing. Okay. It was great. It was a great marketing tool. It was great, you know, let's call it what it is, a distraction, if you will for the course of the regular season, this in-season tournament. However, the main thing is the main thing. 82 games is tough. It's tough to do. And I understand, you know, like most who play that game, you know, to be able to suit up and play and participate and try to win 82 games out of a year. Not that anyone's ever done that. Teams have come close, but no one's ever won 82-0. and 0. That's the main thing. That's the business we're in. Now, when you when you set out to do that at the beginning of the season, there's this thing that we do, whether we do it literally, or it's unspoken. It's called the circle of blame. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> now, Scott's laughing because he knows <laughs> there's going to be some rough moments during any course of a season. That's just what it is. That's yeah. just hey. This this game here is going to tell you everything about your team, who you are individually, who you are as a group, and you get into this circle of blame. What we're seeing right now is the Lakers right now are in this circle. And they have yet to figure out that you got yourself in this position. Now you got to get yourself out. And the easiest thing to do is start blaming other people for how you got here in the first place. Now, the good team's. They try not to, you know, and Scott's been on some of those teams and I've been on some of those teams where you say we're not going, we're going to, we're going to stop the slide, meaning we're going, we got a loss. We're not going to try to lose two or more games in a row. Stop the bleeding, as they like to say in the the NBA locker rooms. Okay, I'm going to take you behind the curtain. Right now, the Lakers started feeling really good about themselves as they should. They're hanging banners during the regular season. Okay, whatever, whatever it is. Okay, let's just call it not a, like we saw it. Yeah, which is not a natural thing to do. All right, exactly. You know, there's the cell everyone's celebrating. I saw champagne during the regular season, right? We all saw it, right? And they have, and then they forgot the main thing, which is the eighty-two game. So let's, if I'm the Lakers, I'm saying let's take a step back. At the beginning of the season, I, like many, heard. They had a terrific offseason, which I thought they did. I thought they had a really nice offseason. The players they acquired, what they did. You know, you could see the development in players like Cam Reddish. You could see what they were doing. They were figuring out who should be starting. They took, you know, guys out of the starting lineup like uh, Austin Reeves, put him on the bench, and everything seemed to be working just beautifully. Now, I'm very sensitive, and I will admit that. I'm very sensitive to people being fired in this league. We know what it is. However, I'm very sensitive. I can tell you this. Darvin Ham, Coach Darvin Ham, is very, is very confident in what he does. Every time you're about to fire someone, I always ask myself, and I define what is the coach's job. The coach's job is, to, is taking players where they can't take themselves. That's coaching. Coach Ham has taken his team to terrific heights but with the group the things they've been through last year they were in the conference finals with all they went through this year they won the first in-season tournament he hasn't had a group that has stuck together and we all know how difficult that is so coach ham is not the problem now we got to get into this circle everyone's got to take their accountability and then let's fight our way out of this right now if there's anything that's missing with this team it's internal fight internal fight because they're going to have to figure out how to fight themselves. It's not a lack of talent. I like the talent of this team. Mm -hmm. However, for whatever reason, when the things get tough with this group, you start seeing the finger point. Now, whether that's just the media saying it or that's actually happened, I would like to see this team just buckle down, hunker in and say, this is our group and let's go play some basketball. So, I like everything that they have. And I was, I was one of the people at the beginning of the season as well. I liked what they did over there. I thought they had a terrific golf season. I really did, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, it hasn't worked and I don't see the mental toughness as a group. I'm not blaming any one specific player because I'm not in the locker room, but I would love to see this team really, really solidify, say, Hey, this is who we are. And then let's go out there and get it done.
2: And to your point, BJ, you know, that's something, you know, that Darwin Ham is preaching to the group. It's about that, our internal fight. Yes. The solutions aren't necessarily externally. Most of the time, solutions are internal. And in what you do internally to kind of turn your, your your season around and turn your team around. So I think that's the challenge for everybody in that building right now. And and look, sometimes it's not pretty, but you got to roll your sleeves up and get it done you know there's nothing you know there's nothing glamorous about it and there's no way around it so that's hey, what I wanted at. to like ask this. you I wanted to ask you this question sorry for cutting you off
1: yeah no you go how ahead. many meetings have you been in where you've had a tough stretch mm-hmm. and then you've come in and said hey this is our group figure it out and just just walk out of the and just walked out of the locker room how how empowering is that to the players to know that this is the group
2: we believe in oh that that would be that is huge empowerment to your players because whats what you're saying to them subtly, look, I have confidence in all of you sitting in this locker room. Okay, just because we hit a, a tough patch, I believe in each and every one of you guys as a player. Go figure it out. I believe in you as a coaching staff. That's what you're saying to everybody if you go in there in a leadership position and declare that, hey, this is our group. Let's go figure it out. Move forward. And – To me, when you do that, it leaves the players and the coaches no other choice than to do their very best to try to figure it out. And if for some reason it doesn't happen after that, then that's your time as an executive to be able to move in and move forward and say, okay, maybe we need to tweak tweak the roster here and there. But uh, I don't think that uh, they're at that point right now because they
0: haven't done what BJ has mentioned what I'm talking about right now. Well, the Lakers fans expect a championship every season. They made the conference finals last season. Do you think this group as currently constructed is capable of getting back to at least the conference finals? Or do you think a trade needs to be made? Because we hear the rumors of DeJounte Murray and Zach Levine, even Jeremy Grant Do you think a trade is on the way or do you think they're going to have that conversation that BJ just alluded to of going into the locker room and saying, you are our guys, figure this out and find a way. Like BJ,
2: when they made the moves in the summer, I thought that they had enough to be able to challenge, at least to get back to the conference finals. Now we're obviously in the midst of a tough stretch here. Um, is it enough talent to do it? Yes. But is there enough mental toughness to do it? That's another question. And that's where my concern comes in for this group, quite frankly. I don't know if the uh, the mindset is there, 1 through 15, to fight through what they need to fight through to get all the way again to the conference finals. I know what they look like at the top end, you know. And, and the talent there is undeniable. And, you know, LeBron James' success is undeniable, you know, throughout his career. But um, I think if I'm in this situation though, I I am looking around, you know, I'm not just sitting dormant with the uh, trade deadline approaching, but I'm not going to make a move just to make a move. You know, and and again, if I'm going to bring somebody into that locker room and what we're talking about that's missing, it has got to be a player, not only that has some talent, but it has to have A great amount of mental toughness because that's what that team is going to need. I think this team struggles more against the more physical teams, the teams that are willing to grind out play after play. So if they could add another player to the roster who embraces that or embodies that, uh, that may be
0: helpful to their cause. Well, you just spoke about how empowering that conversation is if a management comes in and says, you're the guys we believe in. But the leader of the Lakers, LeBron James, in an interview the other day, said that his son, Bronny James, is good enough to play for the Lakers right now. Now, if you're a teammate of LeBron James, how does that kind of comment impact you? If Bronny James, with respect to him, isn't the greatest college basketball player we've seen of all time, but the leader of your team is saying that he could come in and play better than you. How does that impact the locker room?
2: Well, to me, I'm looking at it as like, this is a father talking about his son. And, uh, and so I'm going to, I leave it there really, to be honest (laughs) with you. And again, I I haven't watched Bronny James enough. I I, I watched him uh, a little bit at the, uh, at the hoop summit. And uh, I know he has some ability, but he has, you know, some developing to do at the collegiate level. But again, that's a proud father talking about his son. So I'm not taking that personal. I'm not taking it uh, as a slight uh, to my ability. Uh, I expect to hear that
0: from a dad about his son, who is a a pretty good prospect. So that brings us to the question. LeBron James has a player option this summer, which he doesn't have to take. There's often been speculation that he's going to team up with whichever team uh, drafts Bronny James. So if the Lakers can't get it together... If they can't get back to the conference finals, at least LeBron is 39. We all know he's still chasing championships. Do you see a world in which he leaves the Lakers this summer?
2: As I sit here today, I still see him uh, finishing his career out with the Lakers. You know, now what's going to transpire in the months, you know, weeks and months ahead, you know, is yet to be seen. But I just think he's moved around a couple of places he chose LA uh, not only for, from the basketball standpoint, but I also think from a, you know, lifestyle and and, and business standpoint on things he wants to accomplish after he's done playing basketball is right there in Los Angeles. So uh, my gut tells me that somehow, some way, he and the Lakers figure out that he's going to you know retire in
0: Los Angeles, Laker. BJ, if your son was being drafted into the NBA just a couple of years before you retired, would you? Force your way to the team that drafts him.
1: Well, you know, Mo, that's a that's a very complicated question. It's a very complicated question. Okay, the father in me, Mo, you want to do anything for your kids? That's just a natural reaction. And there's nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that I wouldn't do for my children and my family. I I want to see my family. People that I love succeed, and anything that I could do legally. <laughs> I, you uh, want to clarify <laughs> that, right? Yeah, <laughs> to clarify that. What do for my for my family? Okay. However, playing in that NBA, there's something that I have to. You know, I can say here it's I know it's a PG show, you know it's the NBA, and there's things that happen in that MBA that I wouldn't want to have that experience with my father. (laughs) (laughs) And I love my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Scott knows my father. And my father probably would have wanted to participate. (laughs) (laughs) Scott knows my family. (laughs) However, there has to be a separation between something that you know, Mo, you know, Scott and I are a little older than you. You know, when you are a parent, you got to make a decision. Are you going to be the parent or are you going to be the friend?
0: And that would be a very hard line. <laughs> okay, I, 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 right. can't I can't clarify. Get... <laughs> when, when, when BJ and I in America together, he never wants to hit the club with me. He he always says that he's going to hand back. He's going to hand back at a yeah. hotel and I'm going to go out and, and enjoy myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah see
1: I love Mo, but Mo has to do what a young person does and then i got to do where i'm at now <laughs> when i was in the nba you know you don't hear me ever talking about i wish i woulda coulda i experienced the full life of the nba <laughs> and it was the nba and i had a great run okay i had a great run but it's over Hey, that 39 go up in the or 40 years old <laughs> I can't. I cannot hmm. relive those situations, especially knowing what I know now in my 50s. However, I do understand. I mean, that would be a pretty cool thing, right, to be able to play in the NBA. I mean, in baseball here, was it Ken Griffey? Was it, was it Scott? Was it, is that correct? Ken Griffey played Griff- with yes. his dad? Yes. Played hmm. with his dad. I mean, I, I think that would be really cool. However, I think it's way more complicated than just playing on game day. I mean I can't imagine checking in and dad saying, "Hey, let's go out to to, to dinner." And I'm like, "Uh, hey dad, uh <laughs> I, I can't go to dinner tonight." <laughs> or you know. <laughs> it's just certain things yeah. that you got to experience on your own. So, I think it's a cool idea. However, you know, I think if you pull the curtain back, it's like one of those things you probably, you know, you just got to, you know, you just you gotta let them. You gotta let your kill, You gotta let your children be. Like you know what I mean. Like I don't pull up on my son now in college, right? I, I call him and I tell him, "Hey, son, you know we're, we're thinking about coming next week, and you know give him time to prepare for whatever <laughs> he has going on." <laughs> okay. And my daughter, <laughs> you know what I mean. Well, I know she doesn't have anything going on, but my daughter <laughs> going. So I just think it's very. It, it, it's a. It's a tough one and but i understand how cool it would be to actually play with your son i mean i think that would be phenomenal but whoo i can't we need a document we need a documentary just on that year if it Mm -hmm. were to happen (laughs) Absolutely.
0: because i think there's a lot of things that goes well beyond just playing the game well it is tough mixing those younger players with the older players and no one's proving that more right now than the golden state warriors as this week, um, there were reports, again, that Kuminga is losing his faith in Steve Kerr and a similar sentiment for Moses Moody. Um, as the Warriors continue to drop down in the standings, they're not having the greatest season. And they're just, what, two seasons removed from being NBA champions. Right now, they sit a 10th in the Western Conference. So when you guys look at the Golden State Warriors... Draymond Green is supposed to be returning this week. Do you think Draymond coming back is going to turn their season around and they're going to get back up into the playoff picture? Or do you think that still won't be enough?
2: I see Golden State pretty much staying in the area where they're at. Maybe they move up a couple spots, but I don't see them entering into that top six. I don't know if there's going to be enough time for them to do that. Uh, but do I see them staying in the playing uh, uh, realm? Yes, I do see that. Just based on the experience, um, you know, the ability of Steph Curry to take over games, um, and they were a five hundred. You know, they, they played five hundred basketball essentially. I think they are seven and eight without Draymond this year. Um, so, so they and they were five hundred with him. So that's maybe who they are uh, so far this season. Can they get a little better as the season goes on, as the trust in guys like Kaminga grow? Because I think that that young man has shown a a real good ability. He's been very aggressive in the absence of Draymond. I think he's not only shown uh, his teammates, but I got to believe he's shown the coaching staff in the front office that he is a very good player moving forward. So in, in, in the, their tra- trajectory, moving past this year, I would think that he's going to be a young man that they're going to want to keep around, um, because he he has gotten better and he's been exposed to that championship culture for for years, and and uh, he's homegrown, and I think that's important. When you draft someone that high, you can't keep shipping them out. You know you you know they you know James Wiseman is already gone. Uh, they, they had shipped him out. That didn't work, but you know, here's another lottery pick. And uh, I think you got to figure out a way to make sure that uh, that this young man is, is a building
0: block moving forward. Well, I already know what BJ is about to say. Okay. When it ends, it ends badly. We, we've yes. heard this many a time on this show, but if the Golden State Warriors remain intent, they're at risk of even dropping out of the play in spots. Um, if they weren't to make it to the playoffs or if it's a first round exit, Moving forward, Scott, you just spoke about keeping Kaminga and and building around him as well. But how much longer can you continue this experiment of keeping Steph, Clay, and Draymond, and also keeping Kaminga and Moody and some of the other young guys that have started to break through? Are you just going to keep running that back and missing out on competing in the playoffs and missing out on great draft picks um, until Steph and Clay and Draymond decide that they've had enough and they want to retire? Or is there at some point where do you draw the line and say, okay, guys, we had a great run. It's time to move on from you. Or you say to the young guys, we believe in you, but we want to have one last run at this with the veteran guys that we've got here. We're going to trade you for a veteran player. When do you make that decision? Oh, you're, you're, at, you're, at, you're at, uh,
2: when, uh, either one oh, of you. Yeah, no, okay, yeah, no. So, Look, um, the key here to me is you got to have a sit down with Steph Curry. If you've made the decision that okay, we don't have enough to win, I think he is the guy. You know, not to take anything away from Clay and and Draymond, but he's the guy that uh, personally I would sit down with and say, okay, here we are. We don't have enough to win a championship. So we got we got a chance to go one or two ways. We're looking at more than likely trying to rebuild or retool with the few players we have here. What are you interested in doing? I think he's earned that right to have that to have that conversation with him as a player. So now Steph Curry has to say, okay, yeah, no, I want to stay around here because I want to retire a Warrior. I don't want to play anywhere else, and I'll take my chances that you know we can make it happen quick enough that I'll have a chance to get back to another finals, knowing that, you know, the probabilities of that may be smaller. Uh, So I think it starts there. And and until you know what that conversation is like, uh, I think that will dictate all the other moves uh, that you make. See, you can't pay for past history and performances, per se, in the front office. And, and, And here's why I say that. Look, those guys have been all great. Draymond, you know, the, 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 those three. Draymond, Clay, Steph, they've been tremendous for the organization, for the city, for that whole Bay Area. They have really uplifted a franchise, you know, Golden State, quite frankly, that was, you know, not, re- you know, not talked about much, you know, when I first entered into the league. Now they are super, super relevant. But... They're all aging. The fact of the matter is, and, you know, and, and championship team breakups, they never end up as smooth as anybody thinks they should. You know, so you can't just pay people out of the door. Okay, you did all this, but we're going to pay you, a, you know, a premium salary for what you did, not what you're able to do now. Then now you're hamstringing your franchise for decades. You know, and so that's just the reality of the business. Um, I think players, once they take their emotions out of, out of it, understand that. Uh, how Even though it may be difficult for them to. But uh, I think that's where you're at right now. You got to, you know, as a front office person and an ownership, you got to take your emotions out of it and, and, and step away and say, okay, we're going to have to move forward. We're going to have to make some changes. Everybody's not going to be back um with us or if they're going to be back with us if we decide to keep those guys together they're going to be back at, at a lower price point quite frankly uh that's how i see their situation right now you know um
1: you know guys and i say this with great humility i've had an opportunity to experience the ups of this league and the downs of this league and once you experience winning, it changes something with your DNA in this league. Once you win a championship, because you realize, one, how tough and the road it took to get there. And I've been fascinated since the 90s, really since the 80s of what I've just kind of I've just kind of give it my own terminology, you know, because we always talk about rebuilding, retooling and all those things. But I kind of came up with my own terminology. And as you were talking, Scott, and, and you asked this question well, I said, you know, I've been fascinated with this one thing. I just call it franchise renewal. Once you win, you're gonna need courage, okay? Not luck, you're gonna need courage to have a franchise renewal program put in place. And that's where the Warriors were at, okay. Why do you win? Whatever style you, you know, the Pistons were the bad boys, the Bulls, the triangle, the Lakers were showtime, the Celtics, you know, passing and cutting, this Warriors team, the way they play. Every team has this, the same thing. That's why, you know, I always laugh when I hear, oh man, this generation is better than this generation and so forth. No, it's all the same. You have what's called an unfair advantage. And when you have an unfair advantage, You play to your strengths and you eliminate not allowing your weaknesses to interfere with that. The Warriors had an unfair advantage at one point. They no longer have that unfair advantage. Age catches up to everyone, everyone. Okay. As we're talking, as you're going through your, if you are lucky enough to win one or two or have sustained excellence in this league, like the Warriors have had over the last decade, suddenly everything now has to be decoded everything that the curse says now has to be decoded everything that happens now with draymond what does that mean okay what this means right now they're at a they're at a place where right now they're in the free they're in the franchise renewal program that's what they that's where they're at okay and the thing that is missing from the Warriors right now is they're looking for a reason to believe that they can win it now. That's what they're looking for. Is Draymond the answer? Is is their young guys the answer? Can they make a trade? Is that the answer? Well, you know, I hear rumblings now, suddenly Steve Kerr, now we're questioning whether or not he should bring this guy back off the bench or whatever the case. Right now, they're searching. And the one thing about the Warriors, over the last decade or so that you never search for is they always had an identity. They always had an identity who were there and they've lost that identity. The mainstay has always been the leadership of Steph Curry. Now, everyone would talk about his shooting. Everyone would talk about his ability to score as it should be. However, the one thing about him, he never got too high when it was good and he never got too low. But he, unlike most, great players that you've seen, he's not really a standalone player because he probably more than any other player has been affected by the absence of Draymond Green in the way that they play in that system of play. Draymond's what he brings. He brings, you got to take the good with it. You got to take this part of it with it as well. The one thing that I'm most concerned with, with the, with the return of Draymond is if something happens again, I don't know how they recover from that because the only hope that they have right now is when he does return to see if it's going to be a distraction or as Scott knows, sometimes you'll have things happen and it'll bring a team together. But if something does happen again and they hit a tough stretch again, guys, I think it's going to be, it could be devastating to this group based on what we've known in the, in the past. With this team, so I think there's a lot to unravel with this team right now. I think they're at a very delicate. If I if if if, if the accounts are accurate, Chris Paul looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. Gary Payton now looks like he's going to be out for a little bit. I just think they're at a very delicate place. That if it doesn't, if they can't play better than 500 basketball. I think now you got to start looking internally of saying, what is the true potential of this group as is? Because I don't see any other way for them to get the hope that they're going to want for, because all of them have been
2: playing for championships for so long. I I was going to ask you one quick question, Big but as I was listening to you, do you find uh, over the you know history of your time playing and you know obviously being still close to the league now that so many organizations try to go back in time if you will and try to recreate the same thing that they had. but it's almost you know do you do you see that happening you
1: know, I, you know Scott it's a, that's a phenomenal question so I can remember my very first time with Winnie And before we won, all I could think of was what we needed to do to beat the team or teams that we thought were the best teams. We were like looking at those teams and our team was built to participate and play a certain style. Once you win, you begin to realize that the other teams now are building their team to counter what you don't do well and beat you. And if it's one thing that I always remember, and I, and and I and you and I joke about it to this day, you have to find surprise players or contributors. You have to get like these right. contributors that you it's like unexpected contributions. And Scott Perry, this is a true story, guys. Scott Perry during the Detroit Pistons series when we couldn't beat the Pistons. He said, hey, man, there's a player on your team. I know he ain't played all year, but he's going to help you in the playoffs. And that player name was Cliff Livingston. Livingston and Scott yeah. was right. Yeah. We could not beat the Pistons. And we were figuring out all the other ways how we're going to match up with this guy and what we're going to do to this guy and what we're going to do to this guy. And I remember Scott just telling me casually, like, hey, we're just kind of hanging out. We weren't even talking about basketball. We were I don't even know what we were doing. But he said, that's the guy that's going to push you over the top if y'all are going to beat the Detroit Pistons. He said, Cliff Livingston. I said, Cliff Livingston, Cliff ain't played all year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that's my man. Good news. And shout out to good news. I just talked to him it, yesterday, you know, cause mm-hmm. it was his birthday. And I said, good news. I said, man, it's, it's been a struggle with him. He had just came over from the Atlanta Hawks and he was having a hard time with the triangle in year one, which most players did when you come in, I had a hard time with it too, my first year. And, and I and I and I never forgot that that you don't know where your contributions are going to come from, but more importantly, you got to be prepared to change at any given moment and pivot. And I never ever forgot that. And I've always maintained that's why I call it my my that's why I call it a franchise renewal. You gotta be able to pivot. And you know the change is coming, and you can't rest on what you did yesterday. Just because we won that way last series or last year. Believe it or not, the if, if the Denver Nuggets win it this year, they're going to need to find another player, like a Bruce Brown or mm-hmm. whoever, to come mm-hmm. out and give them something that they weren't even anticipating.
2: Okay.
1: And Scott taught me that. I never forgot that, and I've been intrigued. I said, if I ever get in that position again to have any level of sustained excellence as an executive, I'm never going to forget Scott Perry just casually saying, Cliff Livingston, he could have said, "Man, Jordan need to do this, or Scotty need to do that, or man, you need to guard Isaiah, whatever you." He said a guy who wasn't even playing, and, and I and, and I'll never forget.
0: Cliff Livingston was the reason. He played a couple years for the Pistons before that, right? So he might yeah. Have he was drafted by. He was drafted by the. He was drafted by the Pistons. Yeah, he might Piston, yeah. have learned a thing or two from the inside. I, <laughs> you know, uh, I, if he did,
1: but no. my saying my my thing is is that. Scott was so right. And everyone who wins a championship knows that you need those type of contributions for a series, for maybe a playoffs, maybe the regular mm-hmm. season, but you need everybody in that locker room to contribute to some degree. And mm-hmm. I've never forgot that. And I've I've wanted to put that into action again because Scott was the first person who pointed it out to me, And I had no idea. And I played with the guy for years. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And the, the, how Scott saw that is when I first knew, I'll say Scott sees something that first, or I didn't see. And then for it to happen in real time during the course of a series. And Cliff was fantastic. I mean, what he did and how Mm -hmm. he played. And then the next series against James Worthy. And when we played the Lakers and, and Cliff was as big a part of that three as any other player. And he didn't even, he was figuring out. So shout out to my man, Good News. He was the best. But Scott Perry was the one who gave me, I always loved Cliff, but he gave me a greater appreciation. And I'm telling you, I couldn't have been happier because we probably don't win three championships without him. And he is one of those unsung heroes that people don't talk about. But without him, trust me, guys, we don't get there because he did all the dirty work.
0: He, I mean, he was fantastic during that run, especially in the first P. Back to the Warriors. I mean, they found with Podrinskis and Jackson Davis, kind of two mm-hmm. unexpected players, young players, rookies yes. that have come in and played mm-hmm. very well, especially when guys like Andrew Wiggins are struggling. But BJ, just going back to what you mentioned a little while ago about if the Warriors hit another rough patch, you don't know if they'll bounce back. Well, now Gary Payton the second is out with, I believe it's a hamstring injury, and Chris Paul is having surgery on his hand. So... That gives you another six to eight weeks of rough stretch with two key rotation pieces not in the lineup. So we'll have to see what that looks like leading up to the deadline. But you know what time it is. It's my favorite time of the week where we look at the teams that you guys are focusing on this week. And for me, I'm going to kick things off right here. I'm looking at the team we talked about last week who made the big trade uh, so far. And that would be the New York Knicks with Mr. OG Ananobi. You guys know, that's my guy right there. He's come in and this Knicks defense has just gone up a whole nother level. Um, in the five games before the trade, they allowed over 115 points in every single one of them. Since OG's come in, they've been holding opponents to around a hundred points per game. Um, they're on a four game winning streak right now, but looking ahead at their schedule, this winning streak, could very much, you know, extend maybe up to 10 games if things go their way. Because right now, who have they got? They've got the uh, the Grizzlies, which is going to be a lot tougher now with around back in the team. And then they've got the 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 Magic, the Rockets, the Wizards. And then the one I'm looking forward to on Sunday is the Toronto Raptors. We're going to have OG against this former team, but RJ and Emmanuel quickly, but something to prove as well. What do you guys, what have you seen from the Knicks since this trade? Just what I thought it was going to be, you know, O.G. has fit
2: in seamlessly. I know I'm sure he's still trying to kind of feel his way offensively, but his presence defensively, it was something that we talked about. They needed additional size on the wing and he's he's a big body, too. And so he gives them a lot of versatility defensively. Um, and so he, I, I, I see that fitting well. But I also you, you got to give credit. Both to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson because those guys have been playing at a high level, both of them. I mean, Brunson has gotten a lot of attention this year because there's, you know, there's hope that this would be his first year as, a, as an all star, and I think he will make it. But Julius Randle has been phenomenal. I mean, with the exception of the, um, the one he started game, he, slowly, he, 11 points. he started, he started, started slowly, slowly, but he's really, but, I mean, but he's but average. The
0: Timberwolves down the stretch,
2: yeah, he, and then he had, you know. Thirty-nine points uh, last night at Washington after a slow game, but he's averaging like twenty-eight points over the last twenty games. Double-figure rebounds. is shooting—you know—I think fifty-five percent from the field. He has played phenomenal, and so those two guys now. What the OG trade has done is allowed them to really—he and Brunson, in particular—take ownership of that offense. Everybody knows it's going through them, you know. And OG can play off of those guys, you know. He can spot up. Make the corner shots. He, he's good at cutting to the basket. You can run a few lob plays for him, so there's a fit that way. And um, so I, I think so far so good for the from the Knicks standpoint. And uh, but it's a long haul, and we'll see how. Uh, I think that the, the challenge is going to be. And, uh, let me bring up one other point, Deuce McBride, because you know, Emmanuel quickly went out, so Deuce McBride has been the guy to step in. Now he's not playing the minutes that. Um, Quickly played, but he's done very well in the minutes that he does play, like 15, 60 minutes. 15 always points le-
0: in 15 minutes against
2: the in that yeah.
0: huge,
2: yeah. huge he, win against he, the Sixers. Yes, he was. And he all he was a high-level defender. He was going to be able to defend point guards in this league, particularly the backups. I mean this side, but he is a very, very good on ball defender. He's tough-minded. I think now the fact that Emmanuel's not there any longer and he kind of knows now they're going to come to me each and every night to play some minutes, you know, whether it's 10 minutes, 20 minutes, but he knows his numbers going to get called each night. Uh, I see a, a different relaxation in him in terms of uh, or comfortability that he knows he's going to play. The guy can, he's capable of making some open shots. And again, these first four games has done terrific and helped them win a couple of games. And like you said, the Philadelphia game, he was huge off the bench. I think he
0: made four or five threes in that game. Yeah. And that was just to get them off to an early lead. BJ, what have you seen from the Knicks since this trade? Are you liking what you're saying?
1: Well, I, I, I love what I'm saying because it's affecting their bottom line, which is they're winning games. Okay. They, they, they are winning games and they're taking care of the business. You know, I thought one of the big games that I, I would like, I wanted to see the Knicks was how they're going to respond against Philadelphia right down the road. And they went in there and they really dominated the game and, and and how they played and what they've been doing. I was just looking at their schedule, guys, before, you know, we got on air here, and they have a very favorable schedule. But give them credit for actually winning the games and taking care of the business. schedule, The schedule, the schedule
0: only looks favorable if you've won your games. You know yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> right. but
1: but 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 based on their expectations and, and this is hard to do, right? They are expected to win these games and they're doing it. So win the games that you're supposed to win and then protect home court, and then you, you and you do what you got to do on the road. So give the Knicks credit. I'm giving them the Knicks credit. However, things turn very quickly in New York. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the Knicks, right now, with this winning comes the expectations of what they're going to have to do in the postseason. I would say this, the Knicks are in the, let's say, top five of the Eastern Conference. They should be. I mean, I think that's fair to say.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: With that comes the expectations of advancing. Mm-hmm. And then that's, to me, is where we will know the true impact of this move. Because anything less than getting to the second round for this team, because Mm -hmm. last year, you know, I I think we could have argued they probably had an opportunity to get to the conference finals just a year ago. Absolutely. A realistic chance of getting to Mm -hmm. the conference finals. Mm -hmm. Anything less than the second round, I think (laughs) that's going to be tough. Because then you start saying, has this team – who are they and what can they do now they're missing a big important piece that I know we all love this gentleman right here, drafted him in Mitchell Robinson. Yeah. So I it's, but this is New York. They're not going to say that if they no. they're not going to say that they're not going to give any excuses. However, he is an important piece, but I do like what I'm seeing. I do like how they're playing, but more importantly, they're winning these games and they're winning them in a style that I think is representative of the Knicks brand of basketball.
2: Yeah. And Isaiah Hardstein has is, is been playing great here lately too. He's yes. had career high in rebounds the last couple of games. So they're going to need that. But again, as you know, we've got 45 more games to go
0: so uh, or, or more than that. So you got to yeah. sustain it. I'm intrigued to see if there's more moves on the way to get some kind of more of that bench scoring or if they want to have a, a backup big if Precious isn't quite working out how they thought he would. Uh, but Scott, which team are you keying in on this week? Well, I'm going to look at the other end of the trade, and I'm going to pee in on the Toronto Raptors.
2: Uh-huh. And uh, what I'm going to be looking for there, you know, at the time of this recording, I think they're two and one. They just lost one on the road out at Sacramento, but had a big win on the road uh, in Memphis. And just to continue to watch the assimilation of both R.J. Bird and um, Emmanuel Quickly, both in the starting lineup there. Quickly, it, it to me it appears that they have every intention of making him the starting point guard and hoping, you know, through that trade that they have their starting point guard for not only this season, but seasons to come and uh, how they fit in with Scotty Barnes and what they're going to do with Pascal Siakam. You know, this is you know, his name is, you know, hot on the trade market, but if this team wins a lot, you know, this is a big road trip. I think they're on the road for another five, six games. Um, uh, but if they start to win and they're winning consistently, does that change Masai's calculation of uh, trying to move um, Pascal and maybe deciding to keep him? We don't know that yet. So, let, let, so that's why I'm going to be watching this team very closely, just to to watch their progress. Because, again, at the time of the trade, and I think when you asked me about it, I thought it was a win-win for both teams. And thus far, it, it has
0: been. And uh, so we'll continue to monitor that. And it, that. and it works perfectly for this episode because they're playing the Warriors and the Lakers this week, so it's going to be uh interesting yes. to see how that goes. <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> and then but then the real test is the Clippers, who are red hot right now, um yes. on on oh, Thursday. Man. So, you know, looking at the Toronto Raptors, BJ, um, Pascal Siakam, what do you do with that situation there? Because you've got the BBQ, and they're saying it's a spicy BBQ when you add Siakam mm. to Barnes, mm. uh, Barrett and quickly, but given that they're younger guys and the Raptors actually released a clip on their social media of Masai calling Emmanuel quickly after the trade, saying that he's the perfect fit with Scottie Barnes and they're trying to come in a younger direction, which is kind of weird for them to release before they trade Pascal Siakam. But do you think it's inevitable that he's moved before the deadline or do you think there's a world in which he re-signs in Toronto this summer?
1: Well, you know, it's always fun in the media to trade players, do construct rosters and do all those things. However, when you sit in that seat and you trade a player that, as, that is as good of a player as a Siakam, you've got to ask yourself the question, how do you replace that? I mean, you, just don't, no you just don't find a lot of players that are producing at this level. Siakam is a really, really good player. And by the way, guys, he was a starting player on a championship-caliber team.
0: Second-highest-scoring player yeah. on that team that won the championship. Okay. He's been Gotten an all-star. Um, he's pretty so, good. So it's,
1: so it's, all, yeah. so it's always yeah. fun to sit here and trade guys and move things. And all t- However, when you get down to it, that's a really good player there. And you're going to want something back. If you move him, you're going to have to get something back West. because he is a championship-caliber player. I mean, this young man performed in the NBA finals at an elite level, okay, mm-hmm. as far as his numbers and what he was able to do. So that's my first thing. Now, when I look at Siakam, I, and I and I say this as well, if I were in that situation over there, I want to see what I got here. I mean, I got four really good players. I mean, I, I happen to like Scotty Barnes, quickly, mm-hmm. Barrett, and Siakam. Those are four really good. Players, they're at the at the very least they're all what I would consider starter caliber athletes. (laughs) Okay, Mm -hmm. now you can debate on whether what you like them, how much you like them, or the style of play you can debate all, But they're starter caliber athletes, and they all have the ability to defend their position. So I would take a look at it to see how this works. They can score. I think I've seen an improvement of their chemistry since Barrett and these guys have gotten there I like the fact of you know look they gave up 135 points but they scored 130 points on the road it's going to be fascinating to watch them play on this west coast road trip okay and to see how they respond but overall I wouldn't be opposed to keeping this group together as is I wouldn't I mean, the only thing that I could see is maybe you look for a bigger athlete at the center position that can play their pace, you know, portal, who I like. However, he's not the athlete that the other guys are. Uh, Other than that, I would be looking with, with, I think my eye would say, okay, I like these four athletes. Let's see, can they work together? And if they can't work together, you do what you got to do. However, I would give this team an opportunity to see if this can work. I would, because yeah. how do you replace Siako? I mean, yeah. you, it just, it's so hard to do it.
2: But that's what I would do. You know, you you bring up a, a great point that brings back memories of having so many conversations over the years in the front office when you're talking about trades. And again, it's easy to trade names on the whiteboard and and talk about, uh, you know, oh, we'd be much better with this guy. We're better without that guy, and all those things. But one of the things I used to always say. When that trade is over, we still got to play basketball, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to be a better basketball team as a result of that. So to BJ's point, when you have a player that is as good as Siakam, Pascal Siakam is, well, you better be getting something very good in return. But you at least have to – but you also at the same time are going to be open to, okay, yeah, I know he's a little older with this. Pascal, about thirty years old.
0: No, he's twenty nine right 30. now. So but he's twenty nine. But it's not so. like he's thirty five. Like so yeah,
2: exactly. Exa- exactly. So you could he he could still play with this young group of guys mm-hmm. because you know there's there's no question about it. So you've got a month leading up to the trade deadline to really assess his fit. You know, he looks like he keeps himself in tremendous condition. And if they can win enough games, then to, to BJ, okay, let's we can start looking at other areas of the roster that we can get mm-hmm. better at. And say, all right, maybe keeping him and adding some somebody else in a bit different position will allow this group to ascend into, you know, the upper half of the uh, Eastern Conference. So, again, a lot of questions, a lot of work, you know, uh, in front of
0: Messiah and those guys, and I'm, I'm sure they'll figure it out. Yeah, I think, you know, looking at their roster, if they can make an upgrade at the center spot, I know they gave up quite a lot for Jakob Pertzwell last season. Uh, but he's kind of been a little bit disappointing this season. I love Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench as well. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's great. And then if they can just add a little bit more depth, um, yeah. then they could really be cooking something. But BJ, which team are you looking at this week? Who's catching your eye? I'm going to go down south
1: here and look at our Atlanta Hawks. Ooh, Ooh. And okay. I'm going to look at our Atlanta Hawks. And they've been in the trade circle for the last couple of weeks. And... You know, you, you, there's, no, there's no denying it. You look at this team, I think two or three years ago, they get to the conference finals, right? And that always makes Mo smile because Mo's like... <laughs> 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 because Mo, Mo, Mo puts what? an asterisk by that. I know what Mo's thinking. He's never yes. said it, but I know he puts an I'll, asterisk I'll by it. I'll say if Are you want me do, do, too, you Don't do, get do, me
2: started. Does, does the asterisk by that, Mo? Hell yeah. yeah. If, 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 what's the asterisk?
0: Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what's the,
2: what's that? they, they People, got yeah.
0: to the conference finals. Cause Ben Simmons had a mental breakdown live on the court in front of the whole world to get them to that conference finals. We had never okay. seen an NBA playoffs where an all-star <laughs> player is refusing <laughs> to take layups because he's scared of getting fouled. <laughs> we never seen that. We, even know. Shaq when he's bad at shooting free throws, he's still dunking the ball. He's still going to the line. We had never seen that before. And if that doesn't happen, there's no way they get to the conference finals. And then they get to the conference finals and Giannis has just had his knee bent 90 degrees in the wrong direction. He's out for two games and they still lose. So come on, come on, man. Let's just just call it what it is. Let's just say thank you to Mr. Ben Simmons for gifting them that trip to the conference finals. Thank you very much. That's the most Ben Simmons has contributed to winning in his NBA career so far. I just wanted to make sure your emotions were still... High and then
2: check. That's why I asked. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't get <laughs> me started, Scott. Don't okay, get me started. Yeah, yeah.
1: God gets <laughs> a check for that. Yeah, a, yeah, a, exactly, It's freezing exactly. cold a, in a, England. A, yeah, I'm about a, to turn into a, a, a heat, baby. Yeah. If you get me started, all right. So, okay. Now that Mo has given that, you know, the yeah. asterisk, <laughs> I'm looking at the this team. who's saying, okay. Once guys' names start getting out in the trade, you know atmos, you know, the trade rumors and, and and in that world, how's this going to affect your team? And right now, Deontay Murray is probably the name that you're hearing most to see where and he's gonna go, if this is the fit. When they came down there, they were really excited about him coming down there, Atlanta. And suddenly it hasn't really worked out for them. So I'm gonna take a look at this team to see what direction they've they're gonna go in. You know they made a coaching change and, and and brought in Quinn Snyder and, you know Nate McMillan was out, now Quinn Snyder's in, and they have quietly gone about and said there's two guys on their roster that's kind of untouchable right now, Trey Young and then this the kid what Jalen Johnson, mm-hmm. I believe. So uh, as we speak, they're about what are they 14 and 20 right now or somewhere yeah, somewhere they, around there. What, 11th 11th in 11th the East right now in yeah. the East. Um, I think that's a disappointment as their roster as currently constructed. And I'm going to see what this team is going to do. What, where are they going to go? I mean, they've made a lot of changes to their front office. They've made changes to the head coach. They brought in players and nothing seemed to have worked thus far. So I'm going to take a look down there and see what's going on. And, um, you know, look at hopefully they'll get some results down there in Atlanta for the uh, for all the fans and the fan base down the, the, there,
2: and the, Mo, as a front office person, this would be one of the teams that I'd be looking at closely uh, about making a deal. Uh, the, I I would be surprised if they don't make a trade or two prior to the deadline, trying to to lock themselves up the, the conference ladder.
0: I think they've got some really good pieces. If it was to go the other way and they were looking at slightly retooling, I mean, they've got Bogdanovich, who's having a great season. They've got um, Dejounte Murray, obviously, who's a big name there. DeAndre Hunter, uh, Clint Capella, that plenty of teams have showed interest in throughout the year. So they could have three, four, five players traded off their roster by the time the trade deadline gets around. I don't know Mm -hmm. what moves out there that will kind of get them up in the standings because, you know, right now, a lot of teams, because of the play-in, want to acquire talent rather than give up talent. So that's going to be a tricky one to figure out though. Yeah, no question. And I think, you know,
2: BJ mentioned the, the coaching change, now that Quinn has been there over a year now too, I think you you, you want to look for the type of players that are going to fit the way he wants to try to play the game as well too. So as they are looking around at trade partners, I'm sure that uh, his voice will will resonate in that room some in terms of the type
0: of player they're going to go after. In in a trade who would be the perfect player to put Trey Young next to, in your opinion, if you wanted to have success with this Hawk squad? I I hate giving names because I
2: just don't want to put names out. I'm no, gonna, just I'm like gonna the build. Yeah, I'm gonna give, the, I'm gonna, the, yeah, the I'm gonna give a profile. Yeah, you you've got you gotta have a guy with size who can defend for sure. Because are Trae we talking Young, like a
0: wing or a big or or another guy? No, a guy. Player. I mean, a guy. You know, if you're gonna
2: put somebody, I'm you know alongside him as a guard, you know, mm-hmm. somebody 6'6", I, w- I would say, but definitely could defend multiple positions, whether he can be good enough to defend a point guard if they decide to put Trey on a, a two-guard on another team who's not that active. But the guy's got to have a defensive component, and I think then he's got to be able to spot up and, and, and shoot the basketball a little bit. Uh, because Trey Young is, is a ball-dominant player. He's going to need the ball in his hands Uh, to be effective. I mean, I've not seen him be that effective without the ball in his hands. So again, a guy who can play without the basketball but bring some toughness, a defensive component that will kind of, you know, cover up and, and
0: and help the weak areas of his game. I think that's huge. And Scott has just described OG Ananobi, but unfortunately for the Hawks, exactly. that trade <laughs> no, any he,
1: he <laughs> did
0: <laughs> not.
1: He did that. <laughs> no, as he was saying that, you know who I thought of? I thought of a young Klay Thompson. That's who I thought of.
2: Yeah, um, oh. He, he because that. he yeah. is
1: so mm-hmm. ball dominant, you have to have mm-hmm. another player but who the can PJ. operate on the floor without him, without the ball. Mm-hmm. So I, I was mm-hmm. thinking of, prior to his injuries. The, the thing Clay about Thompson the old days.
0: They're the old days. We're talking about right now. And you know, prime Clay Thompson, there's a reason why he's going to go into the Hall of Fame. That those players don't come along too often. You know what I mean? I think Klay Thompson would complement nearly every point guard in the NBA perfectly. Um if he if he played alongside them. But it's going to be interesting. We're about a month out from the trade deadline and Scott's going to be back here every Monday as we as we, we bring things to you, BJ and I will be back here every day. Appreciate both of you fellas for jumping on. BJ, I know you got to go watch your uh, your one good Detroit franchise go and try and win today. So uh, good luck with that, my friend. <laughs> it's good. I know you need that help getting into the playoffs as well. So good luck to you yeah. as well. Have a great rest of your weekend. Um, have a great start to your week, everyone listening. Make sure you subscribe across the YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcast from. And until next time, get buckets.